0: Hello, and welcome to The Creatives Podcast, where we explore ideas around creativity, curiosity, and intuition. I'm the host, Elise, and on this podcast, I'll be talking to a range of artists, both emerging and established, about their own journey with creativity. Today, I have with me environmentalist, scientist, and artist, Jen Shuring. Jen, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Elise? I'm good, I'm really good. Thanks so much for coming on today. Oh no, thanks for having me. I'm really excited
1: about it. It's great.
0: I am too. Can you tell me a little bit about
1: yourself? Uh, yes, well, art's always been a part of my life. I remember my probably my first memories of my creative life started in the sandpit in our back garden and um, I was probably aged around three and created a whole village of little roads and houses using you know icy pole sticks and flowers and stones and you know I'd be so excited to run out there each day and build build onto this little world you know and then it sort of went from there my sister and I created dolls houses together from cardboard boxes and bits of fabric and we'd spend hours doing that and like my family was a bit of a creative bunch really Uh, dad had his own photography studio under our house and he spent hours there and he created awesome drawings of animals and and, and my mother, she was a potter. She had a studio under the stairs in our house and a kiln, and she encouraged both my sister and myself to take up pottery classes, which we did for about eight years. It was a, a long time, and it was a really great creative outlet at that sort of uh, young age to get my hands dirty and into something. And my sister, she was a musician, so we always had, you know, piano flowing through the house, and, and my brother you know hammering away on woodwork so it was really a family of we're all doing things all the time (laughs) and then um and then later probably in my early teenage years I I got interested in creating clothes for myself and initially using say the paper patterns but then moving on to just creating without a pattern and not you know sort of not following formal ways of sewing or doing something just so that I could have something fun and sparkly to wear out on the weekend but then you know so high school usual you know studying art at high school loving it with painting um, but it was definitely seen as a hobby it it was not seen as a career which is a common story I think among artists Um, Mm -hmm. perhaps not so much these days but definitely back when I was at school and um, so I was encouraged to follow different dream that i also or a different love that i had which was in the science field i really enjoyed science and um so you know i went to uni and studied um, and got myself a science degree in genetics and um and then landed in a laboratory you know splicing genes and inserting genes into things and you know it was it sounds exciting but it's not and (laughs) It's very mundane routine work and I really did not um, enjoy being being locked in a laboratory really. I felt very confined and um, you know they were a quiet place and I was a loud and energetic 21 year old who mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to be outside so lab life just wasn't for me which was unfortunate after studying all that time and Anyway, so the love of outdoors and not really knowing what to do, I took a year and travelled around Australia, had very little money because I really hadn't saved much, and went with a friend and a tent and a van, and and really got to explore, you know, not living from hotels. It was living from national park to national park or on a coastal foreshore and bathing in the rivers, and you know that was a that was a really interesting, um, you know, it gave me a a real connection to nature you know we were cooking on campfires and um and and that connection to nature at a young age I think it's really stuck with me and I could never have got it if I'd just always lived in a house when I got back from that I I really had no idea what to do at that point and somehow look I can't really remember it was a friend or somebody said look why don't you use your science background and go into Um, sales repping it's a bit more free you know you get to drive around and visit all the other laboratories and um, have a chat with the scientists so so I did that and loved it but the best part about it and this is where my art career kicked back in Mm. was I could then go to art classes during the day and then finish my other work at night so I was able to sign up term after term just with all anyone I could find, all the master artists all around Melbourne taking, you know, class after class. And I still do classes with people these days because I just can't stop wanting to learn techniques and how that how they do that. And you know, and I always find the connection of of meeting them. It leads to something else. And then there's, you know, they tell you about an art show that you should go and look at. And so it was just, you know, that connection with the art community. I'm really it yeah it came in in my early 20s and i just loved being being surrounded by artists that led to my first lot of art shows because i'd started developing a little body of work and and then either in a gallery or in a in an art exhibition or art show that might be on at your local school or you know some sort of fundraising event um so, you know, that was that was good to sell a few, but it wasn't certainly wasn't building a business or a career out of that. So I still had to work. Um, I moved on to have three kids within about three years. And so it was pretty busy, but the painting gave me that peace and that solace that I needed. That, you know, the kids were in sleep early, like seven o'clock. So I'd jump into the studio with a glass of red and, and put on the music and and just paint for hours till midnight and mm. and that was just oh I don't know that was just something for me I guess because you know three little kids are really time consuming and you know they're lovely and it's fun but it, it kind of gave me energy to do that which is a weird thing because you think I'd be totally exhausted at the end of the end of the day but once I got in there it was just like I don't know it was meditative and it was calming but also energizing at the same time so and look at you know it hasn't all been easy there's been times when in my personal life where i've you know it's been a roller coaster like with most artists there's been happy times and then there's other times where i've you know suffered from severe anxiety which can be quite debilitating um you know right now i'm at a time where i'm I'm feeling fairly comfortable in my skin but I did make a huge effort to learn the triggers that caused anxiety and take Mm -hmm. steps to overcome them, you know. And I think nowadays I say yes to most opportunities because it's a way of of making me not get too comfortable and pushing myself out of my own boundaries because it's too easy to stay warm and cosy, locked away in my studio, but there's this side to me that loves meeting new people and having new experiences. So by saying yes to everything, it keeps me connected and real to the outside world. The kids, they, they went to kinder and then there was the kinder fundraisers where, you know, they were looking for donations of artwork. And I, a few of the mums knew I could paint and said, oh, Jenny can donate a painting, you know, get Jen out. So I was more than happy to get something out of my studio because, you know, it's getting pretty cramped in there with all the paintings piling up. But when it came to it on the night of the fundraiser, uh, they get these um, local real estate agents in to run a live auction, and the parents are asked to bid on my artwork. Oh, oh. And it was hugely embarrassing! And really, I just wanted to hide under the seat and run out that door. It was just, I thought, oh my god, who's gonna pay $20? Like, what are they, who's gonna pay anything for this? And anyway, um. I thought it was just going to be a silent auction but no it was this loud auction and and the auction went really well and beyond my expectations so that was like phew so this is when it really started it led to a lot of local families commissioning me to paint quite large pieces for their homes which I really loved and I still love painting large I mean it's the freedom and joy of moving and dancing while you paint is and the energy that you can flow into the canvas, it, it's just that it brings me so much joy and I get, you know, the people that buy my paintings say, oh, I am so happy, such a happy piece, and, and I think it's because it's just been flowed into that canvas. Look, at the same time, around that time, I, I lost my dad um, to a really long battle with cancer and he was a big influence on my life, like he, he... He was a very focused and driven man in his career. And mm-hmm. and while, you know, he maintained joy and a real enjoyment of life and, and a sense of fun, I think, uh, I think I'll think share in a way his commitment and drive on some level. I'm always trying to achieve my next goal in order to be able to say, hey, Dad, look, I did it. Look at me. I hope you're proud of what i am done. He's Even though he's been gone a long time now, he's still... A big influence on me and and recently um I was visiting a friend good friend who reminded me that not long after he died I did a painting of dad of just a, a big painting of his face and at the time she said you know at the time that was really helpful for you and it was because the painting, I poured everything into that. It's full of drips, it's full of sadness and it it's full of my pain. But, it's, you know, it was a way of getting it out, which mm-hmm. was great. so art can give you that. And that's what I that was really lucky and fortunate to sort of have a way of expressing that pain. Um, and look, I was lucky enough to have my work in a couple of galleries through connections I'd made. But and and at the time. I did have a studio at home, but I was trying out working at different studios to have a separate place to go. And I have to say I've probably had seven or eight different studios all over Melbourne. I was hoping to connect with other artists there, but I really actually found to my surprise that they were hardly, they hardly ever turned up. They were really, I don't know, I expected them to be working away like little beavers in a burrow every day in their little studios, but There was really no one there and it was actually at times quite a spooky place to hang out because of the odd hours i like to work and to fit in around the family i found that the best studio for me was always just the one i had at home during that time look i'm not great with numbers but i kind of just broke even i wasn't making money as such and and sometimes if it was a really good year i might get enough to take us all on a little holiday somewhere but the main reason I was painting was just for me and the happiness that it brought me. But then, then mm. things kind of changed in the last few years because social media and online galleries really, really had an impact on my art and my art and the way I was, yeah, my art practice, I guess. Um, they came along, and I mean, it was basically a whole new world that opened up. You know, first you could see on Instagram what everyone else was doing, and I thought, "Oh wow, this is so exciting! I want, I want to paint this much too." You know, I've always wanted to paint this much. It's just that I didn't want my hallways filling up with canvases. You know, but maybe I can use Instagram to get to be able to keep painting at the at this speed I like to paint and and get my canvases moving so I started posting on Instagram but it was a big learning curve to actually learn how to use it and and then I found that I actually loved the creative side of producing a lovely looking Instagram feed like I found it a bit of an art form as well Mm -hmm. Um, so now I kind of post daily because I actually enjoy doing it and I love the support from my artist buddies and my art collector friends and, you know, everyone has something to say and I found that the connections have been really amazing and amazing to speak to artists from all over the world. I just found that astonishing. I must be sitting there typing away to somebody in Finland and, you know, we're having a good old chat and, you know, it's just, yeah, really inspiring to do that. But the online galleries, there's two pretty big ones in Australia that... um, that a lot of artists have joined and you've probably heard of them, Blue Thumb.
0: Blue Thumb, yeah.
1: And Art Lovers Australia. Yeah. And like most artists who first joined them, I had no idea what I was doing. So the first week I joined I uploaded pretty much my entire collection of whatever was lying around in my studio that had just been hanging around for the last 10, 15 years, which turned out to be sort of an accidental good thing to do because it kind of swamped their new paintings feed section on their websites. And so then all of a sudden... I was picked up pretty much straight away by the gallery and the collectors and, and noticed, like, oh, here's a new artist. You know, they've got lots of work. What's this all about? And they so started selling straight away. And then all of a sudden, if you're, well, if the gallery sees you, like Blue Thumb or Art Lovers, they go, oh, okay, well, we'll promote this artist. They're selling lots of work. So, so it kind of started to build straight away because I did that big first dump, I think. On the- <laughs> It was an accidental good mood, but it's a good tip for emerging artists that maybe get a big collection and just plonk it on. It can work well. So it gave me a bit of a boost to find a platform that I could potentially just get all those canvases out of the hallway and into the world where they should be and, you know, hopefully enjoy. And then it allowed me to paint more regularly at that, at a level that made me happier, I guess. And I've been lucky in a way that my husband and family have always been quite supportive of my painting because they can see how incredibly happy it makes me and, and that then reflects back into home life. So, I mean, you should see me after I finish a good painting session. I just come in and I'm just, you know, running around with big smile and, you know, chatting and I'm just for anyone starting out, it's a massive learning curve to get your head around the online galleries, the social media building a website, talking to galleries and interior designers as well and framers and printing, you know, because I've got into printing artworks as well. So it's something that's, you know, it's re- I, I felt it was really important actually not to simply rely on these online galleries um, to do all the work for me but to diversify my art business so that, so that income was coming from several different areas so that you know because the the, uh, the whole point is to allow me to keep on painting so you know I didn't want somebody to be totally in control of where where this income and where the sales were going I wanted to have some control over what was happening you know they're the, the online galleries are really simple to use and they're the professionals they market your art really well they're doing an amazing job for the Australian arts community and and they're really supportive to artists so I've I would highly recommend them for any artist wanting to get their work out there. On those online galleries, there's really only one way to to get yourself noticed because there's literally, you know, I think 15,000 artists on Blue Thumb, something like that. Yeah, wow. So, you know, you can't just put one artwork up there amongst the, thousands that are there and expect that it might sell or hope the only way to get your work notice on those is to regularly upload new work all the time and and that's probably a minimum probably every week so that can be quite a pressure put on artists to keep doing that so it's not something that I always do I tend to upload when I want to upload but that's because I've diversified and built followings in different ways and so probably one of the biggest boosts, I think it was last year, came when um, I was contacted by a Melbourne company called Artist Lane who make high-quality art prints. And they asked if they could make some prints of my artworks. Um, And I was like, oh, wow, that's so exciting, you know. I I must be really an artist Mm -hmm. if they're asking to do that. So that was sort of like yay! I was just, um, you know, super excited. But it sort of went on. It even got better because they connected to the TV show The Block, and yeah, and that they my artworks then got select, selected to be sold on the Block Shop by the um, by a couple of the contestants who were um, Hannah and Clint, who were on the Channel Nine TV show. And then through that, it sort of went on to be my prints were then. Available on Temple and Webster, the sort of homewares giant that sells online as well. So it sort of went, it went boom, 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 and that was like, yay, great, super exciting. You know, what am I going to do now? Like, <laughs> and in my list of goals, these were things that I sort of aspired to and never thought I could achieve. So you know, I've done that, and I was slowly ticking off all these things that I was hoping to get, and you know, it had all sort of gone wild and beyond as my dreams as to how far I could go I never thought all these opportunities would happen um but then when I reflect on it I think you know it's not just oh you're in the right spot at the right time I actually do think they evolve from hard work and passion like and mm-hmm. I just I spend seven days a week I work many long hours on the computer each week as well as dealing with framing and couriers and preparing canvases and prints but I don't consider it hard work because I love it you know it's it's a passionate love affair that, that I have with art and the icing on the cake is all the fabulous hours spent creating these paintings and visiting art galleries and you know, all the fun stuff but but all the hard work is not it's not hard work it's just part of it and it kind of all feels creative in a way anyway you you know it's it's taken a long time to acknowledge myself as being a professional artist and not just feeling like a part-time painter and I think a lot of artists probably struggle with that
0: Mm, I know I definitely do and I know a couple of my friends like oh this is She's an artist I'm like I feel so weird to hear that so I'm like no no I just I love art I like art I I've even noticed myself take that title down because like oh well then I have that expectation that you know I'm selling and I'm you know what not in reality is I just like painting in my garage and yeah <laughs> I feel funny to have that title like I usually just play it down oh no no like you know I just do a couple of commissions I like art and it's hard because it's so different to compared to a degree you do x amount of years there's your qualification you are a scientist like you can say that Whereas yes. where do you draw the line? Is it once you have your first exhibition? Is it once you sell this amount? Where do you draw the line? It's it's so
1: hard to tell. Exactly. You're exactly right by saying when when is that point when I'm an actual artist? Oh God, it literally takes years and years to feel validated in the Australian arts community. It's It really did. And but, you know, I think finally, and I think really it, it's only been recent that I finally say when people ask me what I do for a living that I can answer proudly, chest puffed out, yeah, I'm an artist. I finally am. <laughs> but, you know, because I've got an art studio at home now. I've got one in the backyard. It's not, you know, a corner of a bedroom or a spare room or, a you know, Part, a little cupboard or something that I spread on the dining table so it's yeah taken a long time and it's, it's a shame that you can't feel that like you can you're right when I was a scientist and I finished my science degree I walked straight out of there I'm a scientist you know that's what I do and I was proud of that but yeah this took much much longer
0: I feel like being an artist though, it's just a way of living like it's who we are like if you suppress us and you know put us into a lab or into just this one area we'll burn out like we we just can't function that way. I think it's like our way of being is creating and making. It's just whether it becomes a, a hobby, a part-time or a full-time job and what avenue you decide to take. but I think it's it's within us. I think a lot of us stick to a normal job and then burn out and find art or if we were removed from art like we wouldn't we just wouldn't function. like I think it's a way that we're wired like some people, who are, say, more like engineering, scientific based, will happily thrive in those kind of environments where we're just that little, we're just a bit different.
1: Yes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I find it hard even to be inside the house, always seeking to not escape, but just get outside. I love being outside. And if humans, I mean, we can probably live outside, but it's not very comfortable (laughs) when it's freezing and or boiling hot. But it's just a place. I I love to smell the earth. I love to stop and actually do stop and smell flowers and I look closely at things. I think my scientific background's made me a bit like that. I really look closely at things. I think you're right. I think you're born that way probably.
0: Mm, just the yeah. way we're wired and making sure you whatever you are doing in life kind of connects to that. And yeah, I'm the same. I need to be outside. Like I always thought I was a crazy kid because I would always be begging mom and dad, let me sleep outside for the night. Like (laughs) I'll have my mattress and I've got a pool at the moment. And sometimes I'll just sneak out and lie on the pool at night because I'm like, I just want to be outside. Similar to you did like a road trip at the start of the year and just feeling that connection is so powerful. And I think that's so important that everyone does feel connected. You know, the main thing of the day is just, finding something to do or when it's, you know, getting dark, just being able to sit around the fire and just take it all in. So yeah. powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's calming as well. It's, mm. The world can be a busy place and it's, yeah, it's a place of peace amongst it's it.
0: Rejuvenating. And that's what I find as well with painting when you were describing about, you know, just having a glass of wine and, and having your own, space that is what I crave you know sometimes I don't really feel like I'm alone at home just because you know mum and dad are around or wherever I am I'm usually around people and just having that space in the garage where I know the door is shut and it's just hours me time painting I feel so rejuvenated after that it's just it's my my space it's my happy yeah. place yeah so so good. so good and also when you were talking earlier reminded me when you were talking about just like your childhood and play oh whenever I'd have like a friend over it was a craft session and we'll just <laughs> rip out these massive boxes of scrunched paper and glitter yeah. I'd make a mess it was a nightmare <laughs> for me to pack everything up but that was just so much fun just grabbing all the boxes grabbing all the sheets making like forts and like having that play I think a lot of us neglected or forget about it and it's such a, an important part of us
1: it is and through having kids I got to actually relive it all again because there was that big art box as mm-hmm. so many art boxes we had about four big art boxes because there was little bits of pieces of everything that you know i would collected and they could play with and build and make things and there'd be hours of play-doh or I'd set up the easel in the back gardens and we'd be painting all afternoon and so my kids Yeah, they got to create a lot because that's what I love doing with them.
0: And so important. It makes me just so nostalgic just thinking about like making Play-Doh and having those craft boxes. Like it's unfortunate that a lot of kids are now just getting replaced with iPads in front of their faces. And, I mean, it's still play, it's still games, but it's not the same connection as that tactile feeling of, you know, cutting up paper and mashing things up and playing with Play-Doh and building things. Like that is so fundamental
1: yeah and i love watching my kids making like they would get so absorbed in a lump of play-doh for hours literally and you, you know you could see the concentration and the well they were, they were pretty relaxed doing that not like you see with a kid on an ipad these days when they're just bashing it and yelling and screaming and i think oh that's not good yes I think they were lucky you know it was only just when all that sort of stuff was coming in that they were I I managed to hold them off the technology for as long as I could yeah it's it is important to let kids have time to be creative for sure
0: yeah absolutely I think it's so important and I think it's it can be really healing I know a lot of my art especially where it started from was for therapy it was releasing just that that energy I needed to it was it wasn't even the painting itself it was just the act of painting and playing with clay that was really helpful yeah Um, and it it makes me intrigued did you find that art helped with your um, anxiety
1: that you were talking about yeah I think it did definitely it was um it was a place where I could feel safe I think but it also you know it concerned me that it was a it was a safe place I need I needed that to have a mental break from my mind racing and worrying about stuff all the time, and I think my mind—it was just too. It would imagine scenarios that would be silly, you know, like oh, if I have to get on that train, what if the train crashes? Or you know, it'd be just silly, silly stuff. But you know, I've I've learned that you know these thoughts are a bit crazy, and and I've learned, like I said before, how to control my ways of thinking and to be more realistic (laughs) Mm. definitely gave me a break from all that and you know through all that self-talk it did you can almost retrain your brain I would have to say look I don't know a lot about it but I I don't seem to have those thoughts anymore so it's like I've luckily fortunately been able to get on top of that but yeah it definitely gave me a break it was almost it's just so totally absorbing when you're painting that you just you can't think about anything else so um yeah it was a good break
0: Mm, your focus is just on what you're doing which is so freeing when you do get caught up because I know like with my anxiety that I've had it's just something that you never get a break from and so when you do have moments of peace it is just so freeing yeah oh so freeing but yeah when you do change how you think it's like neuroplasticity like your brain literally adapts and evolves and changes and that's such a A powerful thing that you know, if you are going through something that it can change and it will change, and that's something that won't plague you in the future.
1: Yes, yeah, you're right. And yeah, I think that's exactly right. And to have those breaks from the pain of anxiety, it's restful, then like you, that's I think why we came out of the other end of a painting rejuvenated because it's a a peaceful, restful process. That, that then gives you the energy to move on and do the rest of the things that you have to do in your day or in your life. I just find probably the hardest thing is just the balance of how to balance the whole you, you, your art life with your, with all the other things that you have to do in life. I, I find that hard because I think I'm a little bit obsessed with painting. Mm-hmm. art <laughs> day and night I think about art. I really have to be careful to keep my longing for painting and my family life in balance.
0: Yeah, balance is definitely a massive one. And I think I can really relate to you So like I get that little bit obsessive. And so if I am working on a project, that's all I want to do. Like catching up with friends is then a bit of a hindrance because yeah. like I'm not working on that. It's like, well, I know what I want to do. It's not that I'm bored and I'm trying to find something to do. Like I really want to work on it, but I'm going to compromise right now and I'm going to see my friends and I'm usually really grateful for it anyway. Like it's usually, you know, it's always a really good time. It is. Again, it's everything in in moderation is is
1: good. Yeah, exactly. And seeing your friends, that's another boost to you. You you walk away from seeing your friends with a big smile on your face and Mm. that helps that in all your areas of life as well to have that connection with your friends. It's just, yeah, a a balance. It's hard. Um, Yeah,
0: it's something that you eventually kind of work out. And I've been especially in this lockdown, like really just focusing on what gives me joy and like art's one of them, but finding so many other things, like sometimes it's just being in the garage and dancing, it's running, it's sitting and having picnics out by the river, just those little things that I'm finding that are really just rejuvenating and keep tapping into that. I think it's really important to have multiple different avenues of things that rejuvenate you and that kind of bring you joy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm
0: yeah important to have what you what you love and I, and seeing that you studied science how has having a degree impacted the art you do?
1: Um, I think look my science degree has definitely influenced my work like I said I tend to look at everything maybe at the microscopic level and I love all the little details that I see and in the shapes that I find in nature and and then what I tend to do is I don't like to paint the detail because that just feels too slow and painstaking for me I, I feel I I like to work in big expressive brush strokes so I, I slightly abstract what I see and I I like to come, capture the essence of what I'm looking at rather than what it actually supposed to look like so it might be the flower or a landscape or whatever but it's it's I would like to make it look like a landscape on a warm sunny day but it, it'll be quite abstract looking. I think it's important also that art tells a story and mm. I'm a big believer in art being able to influence and contribute to the way people see the world. Sometimes I think it's artists who bring to our attention important issues like, the say, the plight of refugees or the impact of climate change or it could be perhaps a huge waste in government spending on developing fossil fuel technology or you know instead of renewables that they perhaps should be doing artists work to to make sure that these ideas and thoughts are, are getting out there I think and I do have a passion and my number one concern does lie in the way that we we are wrecking our environment and and continually polluting it with chemicals and plastics and you know that that's ultimately going to lead to irreversible damage and, and possible permanent climate change. And I've studied a lot of the science um, because I'm interested in that and I read a lot of the research and I'm, I am seriously worried. Mm. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that gives me anxiety too, so that's not great. But anyway, I try not to worry too much, but I do worry a lot. And so I'm a strong advocate for for, for less is more, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, you know, try and make a difference. We don't need all this stuff in our world. I stopped buying junk a long time ago. I just I just don't, I actually don't buy anything. I actually wear my kids' old clothes quite often. Mm-hmm. I take those soft plastics back to the supermarket. So I walk to the shops. I get excited when my local council brought in um, the food recycling scraps um for your scraps of food recently got those food bins i thought yay you know it's not all going to to landfill and making methane and all the other issues that come with that so um i could go on forever about that but but how i how this gets into my work and i interpret this is that I start with the the deep charcoal backgrounds in my paintings. You, you probably notice that there's under under most of my paintings, it's it's this the first three layers of this deep charcoal color, and that that reflects my underlying emotion. Like I like to start on that color. Like that's this the sadness for me of this of destroying our planet the way we are. And, I I try not to let that overwhelm me because essentially I'm I'm a pretty optimistic person. I'm a generally, you know, really happy type. What I do with that is that I I try not to let that overwhelm me and essentially I I place um, the beauty found in life, such as flowers or a peaceful landscape, over this charcoal background. And the reason for that is to try and draw the viewer into my work and, and just to highlight that urgent need to protect our planet. Um, Because we want the future generations like yourself to enjoy this beautiful world. And and it's partially I feel responsible that it's my generation that's been part of the biggest problem that has, has literally developed all these products that we don't need and that are causing a great deal of problems on this world. I start with the darkness, as I say, and I say, hey, let's make this world beautiful and pop that onto the canvas as well. And what, what I'm doing is in my social media um, stories and that sort of thing, I'm trying to speak out about sustainable living ideas. And, you know, I, I say things like, oh, bring your, renew- bring your reusable bags to the shops, or, um, you know, say no to plastic, or, you know, who else wears their kids' clothes? And um, so just putting little ideas out there all the time, you know, to say no to food waste and, um, just just little things that I almost try and slip in there to to just little remind people that you know perhaps we should be caring a bit more. Yeah, so that's that's the story behind my work. it's that's good in your generation now that you do like to reuse and look for those things that have been made well from the past and reuse them. So,
0: it's kind of becoming the norm now, which is nice. It's not like, oh, you just like op shopping is now just another option. It's like you can go to the shops or you can go up shopping. Like it's become a pretty normal thing, which is really good to see. And people are questioning it. When I heard like even it was a long time before the ban, but like just with um the plastic bags, like I remember just questioning like where the bags go and whoa, that was (laughs) such a dark spiral. Because you just you do groceries, you get a bag. Yeah, go home, pop the bag in the back. Like you don't think anything of it. And to really question where is that now going? How many have I accumulated? It's like that's so scary to know just how much we're producing and using and how much we can minimise it if we reuse.
1: Yes, yeah. Scary. Yeah, it's scary. And, and look how quickly everyone adjusted. As soon as, you know, the plastic bag ban came in, it was just overnight, really. Everyone just oh, okay, I'll I'll bring my bag. You know, like that's how quickly people can adapt. Mm, yeah,
0: for sure. And there's such change that's still to come. And I I feel it coming. Like I think there's going to be some big movements from some more senior kind of companies. But, yeah, even at the individual level, I can already see such a massive shift and just an awareness through documentaries and spreading the word already we're becoming so much more aware of our actions and what we're doing it's really good to see
1: yeah it's really good to see I agree and you know without all that action well I hate to think what might happen so yeah it's definitely good to see just
0: prevent it and we won't have to worry (laughs) exactly I absolutely love that you've got that motive behind it of spreading a word around global warming and climate change and, and those things. I think that's really powerful. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing a bit of your insight and about you and your journey. I've really appreciated you coming on.
1: Oh, I've loved speaking with you, Elise.
0: Well, that wraps up this week's podcast with Jen Shearing, who shared her journey to where she is now, as well as some tips and tricks for emerging artists and the importance for caring for the environment. If you want to hear from more artists like Jen, stay tuned.